The views and opinions expressed in this program by the host or guests do not state or reflect those of the company, its management sponsors, or any entities they represent. Oh, it's lit. <laughs> we prime time. <laughs> Subscribe, like, and share. <laughs> Give us your feedback. Yo, I'm Manny at the plate and Kobe off a steal. Rescue for the goal and Brady at the wheel. I'm a game changer. The Osaka of the tennis and breaking scoreboard. Simone of the Olympics. Defense and big business. The Mayweather who way better. From the greatness of Jim Brown, I bend down. Talk of sports before I was off the porch. Screaming bow nose while Jordan was playing horse. Late 80s getting torched by the drive in the shot. 2016 got a ring off the three in the block. They ease to forgot. The cardiac kids. Price and Doherty. Bail in the Indian years. This who it is. Your host D-Train. Yo, that's a name banger. Come in the streets and talk sports with the game changer. Yo, your host D-Train. That's a name banger. Come in the streets and talk sports with the game changer. D. Trent, Game Changer Sports Talk, Industry Sports. That was really good. You know what I'm saying? It is a pleasure to have you all here. You know what I'm saying? Welcome. Um, I hope everybody's day is going well. You know, if you're with your loved ones, you know. Just make sure you, you, you cherish every moment. You know what I'm saying? Just, just make sure you cherish your moment. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, it has been a heck of a week of sports. Um, and it's only so many actual sports going down. You know, baseball is in, uh, FIBA, you know, uh, other football, uh, football is in, uh, soccer. Um, and we're coming down to well, football preseason is over. Well, not preseason, offseason. But NFL offseason is over, basically. We've played the Hall of Fame game, which kicks off the preseason game. Uh, again, if you're not aware, there are only three preseason games in the NFL now and moving forward. And um, there's a two-week gap between the last preseason game and the first game of the season, or at least a 10-day gap, depending on when you play and who plays that Thursday opener. Um, which, actually, who is the Thursday opener for the NFL? Y'all piling in, it's a pleasure to have y'all. You know, we're streaming on all social media platforms, you know what I'm saying, Twitter, Twitch as well. So, uh, you know, feel free to, you know, come up, um, you know, speak your peace, all that. All right? we, we we down with all that. Um, hold on. Let me go to the NFL. Week one. We start off the season with a duty. Okay, so, I mean, I know Browns preseason kickoff, but I'm saying, you know, that two-week layoff, or maybe 10 days, depending on when the preseason, when when your team's final preseason game is and their first game. Uh, and what we're speaking on now is the Bills and Rams, who kick off the NFL season. Now, listen, that game, that game should be a doozy. Thursday night with those guys, you hear me? Okay, you got 
Josh Allen still looking to get to his first Super Bowl. Matt Stafford coming off a Super Bowl win. You know what I'm saying? You know, he got Aaron Donald back with him. You feel me backing him up on the other side of the ball with Jalen Ramsey, and they did a little mix and meshing. You know what I'm saying? So it looked a little nice over there, you know. I think Allen Robinson is over there now with Cooper Cup. And uh, my other guy, Robert Woods, but he went to Tennessee. But, however, the Bills do come in here with the, you know, outside with the Rams guy, as I was just saying, the Bills coming in here with the number one defense, uh, top three quarterback, um, you know, and he got a couple new shiny toys too. So that is going to be a doozy. Uh, that will kick off Thursday, September 8th. Uh, uh, between now and then, though, we talking roster, you know, football. What's, what's going on? Um, but before I even get to that, um, before I, you know, I want to kick the show off for real, for real, um, with the support for Brittany Griner. Um, it is a crime in itself that she is still in Russia and being treated the way she's treated while she's over there. Um, I, you know, I'm not in politics. I don't, you know, what I'm saying I don't have a a, a, a dog in that horse uh, in that race, as they say, or a horse in that race, as they say. Um, however, though, you know, you know, that is a, a young lady, an athlete, um, you know, a positive icon, um, uh, who has put in the same type of work in Russia as an athlete as she has in the, in, in the WNBA in America. Um, and it is just, you know, it is egregious to a large degree how she is being treated, um, to be sentenced like that. And to be left in those type of conditions like that um, for something that has nothing to do with her. Um, but you know, as as a young um, as a young male here in America, um, you know, I I can really feel her pain. You know, you're being overpunished for something that isn't even that big of a deal to nobody else that looks a different type of way. And so, um, you know. We, it's a lot of us here who want her home. You know what I'm saying? We don't know her from a can of paint, but from what we see on TV, and, and that's good enough for us. She an American, and she should be home. And our, our you know, I, I think our government should be able to do a little more to push the envelope and get her over here. You know what I'm saying? So we support BG here. Um, you know, much prayers out to her, her family, her loved ones, her circle, her teammates. You know what I'm saying? And uh, make sure y'all support the WNBA, you know, while, while we on that note, too. You know, watch them games, man. You know, pay attention, man. Know them stats. You know what I'm saying? You know, visibility is everything. You know what I mean? So, you know, show show up. Man, what are y'all? What are, what's this doing? What are, what are we doing? Why are, you, why are you not showing me the chat? I'm sorry. Anyway. So, sticking with basketball, uh, talking about another point, Kevin Durant. Now, wait, before, before I leave Brittany Grinder, uh, I, 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 I 
gotta say this, okay? This this woman has played nine seasons uh, in the WNBA. She played eight complete seasons. Uh, her 2020 season was cut short. It might have been the COVID thing. Um, now that I'm looking at it, um, so in her nine year career, where they play an average of 30 games, depending on if you go to the championship or not, she's already put up 5,000 points. Um, you know, 700 plus blocks. 130 steals, you know, um, over 450 assists, um, almost 2,000 rebounds in total. Um, you know, she's made almost 1,000 field goals out of 1,200 attempts. Um, like, free, that's free throws. Her main field goal, she, you know, almost, she's 1,700. You know what I'm saying? She played 250 games in the WNBA. You know, almost 8,000 minutes. You know what I'm saying? This girl is a, is a is a beast. She a dog. You know what I'm saying? She done went to Russia and, and, and put in work, man. So that it's a disgrace why she why she's still there, man. I just, you know, I, I feel some type of way about that personally. Like, I don't understand why her. You know, a lot of people you could have picked for whatever reason, why her? You know what I'm saying? Like, what did she do? Like, I, I ain't feeling that. Um, um, but, you know, I ain't going to be the dead horse, man. Like I got to say, man, we, we got much love for Brittany over here. Um, we support her fully, and, and we don't want to do nothing but see her come home safe and be able to resume the rest of her career and her young life. Um, and hopefully, you know what I'm saying, this has a, a, a positive impact on her as crazy as that sound you know what i'm saying i just hope that it it boosted her wisdom and her resolve and she can hit the ground running doing whatever other extraordinary things that she gonna do with the rest of her life you know what i'm saying um but moving over to the male side of basketball and hitting on the topic that's being really that's really prominent right now we got to talk Kevin Durant. You know what I'm saying? Kevin Durant going on his 15th year in the league. You know what I'm saying? A guy who averages 27, 7, and 4. Uh, 4 assists. Uh, 4 career. You know what I'm saying? He's put up almost 25,000 points. She was 49.5% from the field. 38.3 from 3. You know what I'm saying? 6,500 rebounds in his career. You know what I'm saying? 3,800 assists. Over 1,000 steals. Over 1,000 blocks. You know what I'm saying? Over 2 million minutes in the NBA. All right? This guy is considered the upper echelon of scores ever. You know what I'm saying? Skill set, uh, mentality. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, Kevin Durant is your ideal basketball star. That's the type of guy that you put, that you make on 2K. So that way, can't nobody fuck with your my player. You know what I'm saying? Six eleven. I did it. Six eleven with the handle. He too big not to be able to get rebounds and, and, and deflect shots, or at least bother him and, and get steals in the lane and play the play butter. Listen, it's free. <laughs> Kevin Durant, early in the off season, 
expressed to the Brooklyn Nets front office organization that he wanted to be traded. Um, this was about a month and a half ago, a month ago, a month and a half ago, something like that. Um, just over this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have the exact dates, somewhere over this last like four or five days, uh, he met with the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. This is Kevin Durant, Mr. Joseph Sy, or Joe Sy, something like that. Um, and I don't mean I don't say that rudely. I, I don't mean nothing like by that any type of way. Um, but Kevin Durant doubled down on his trade request, um, and not only did he double down on it, but he drew a line in the sand. Like, listen, if you want me to stay in Brooklyn, bro, then, you know, you're going to have to do something with Marks and Nash. Did you really say that? I can imagine the look on the owner's face when Kevin Durant said, you got to choose between me and the front office and coaching staff you put together. Now, if you have no insider knowledge whatsoever, I mean, none whatsoever, one will automatically think, oh, because they didn't give Kyrie a new deal, not Durant won't out. I don't think that is the foundation of it, but I think that's kind of like one of them cherry on top things, in my opinion. Um, I think uh, some people might say he don't want to play with Ben Simmons. I don't think that's the core of the foundation, but I think it's that part of it is a part of the foundation. All right, it's a part of what led to where I feel like why he doubled down. All right, that's just a part of Ben Simmons. Um, I got, the Nets had a firing of a certain personnel uh, on the coaching staff uh, or front office if he didn't have a dual role in both for whatever his position was. Uh, that was real tight with Durant. Um, I don't know the name. I don't know all that um, specifically to be dropping stuff and looking crazy. But I do know that there was a personnel firing from that staff and that particular individual that got fired was very close to Devin, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, excuse me. And uh, I think that's a part of it. And I think that's more of what led to what I feel like Kyrie being the cherry on top. Like, I think that's kind of like the, that second, second to last layer on the top, uh, you, you know, this firing thing, kind of like one of the things like, oh, you did that too? Um, but I think the core problem about this situation is Steve Nash being the coach. I think that is the number one reason why Durant wants to leave. And before people try to make it personal, or whatever the case that may be, 
I want you to understand the timeline. Kevin Durant started his career with Presti, um, who was the general manager in Oklahoma. Okay? So even though the Thunder don't have a championship, that particular GM has built a championship team before. Matter of fact, um, out of the core four stars that he had, two of them have won multiple championships and three of them have won multiple MVPs. That's out of this core four that Sam Presti built, which is Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Serge Ibaka. All right, that was the core. He left that core that was already disassembling before he left. You know what I'm saying? Um, and he played in Golden State. We all talk about why Durant went to Golden State. But what Durant said out his mouth was, I like the way they play basketball. And when you seen how they played basketball, utilizing Kevin Durant's talents, you understood, at least from uh, X's and O's, and, and, you know, I guess, I don't know the right word right now, standpoint. Um, it's more like a, like, I, I want to say image, but not image, but just just more of a, a resume builder, I guess, you know, especially for where he was at that time in his career. He want to win. He tired of losing to LeBron. Let's just be what it is. He was tired of losing to LeBron, and it was a team that's built to beat LeBron but they needed another piece to actually beat what LeBron brings besides him. So, you know, he went to Golden State. But what is Golden State? They are a well-oiled machine. They have, you know, a continuity and, and communication, a top-level communication and understanding from the owner down to the coach and staff. All right, from Kerb Myers. And uh, Myers, is that, no, Myers, what's the, I forget the owner. But uh, from the owner down, it's just continuity. They're well oiled machine, they communicate. Even when it's trouble, they still communicate and they figure out how to do it as a whole. He won two championships in three years and went to three championships the three years he was there. Then he comes to Brooklyn. How did he get to Brooklyn? Because he was being disrespected about his championships. So if he teamed with Kyrie and they win in Brooklyn, even though it's not the New York Knicks, it's still in New York. And bringing a championship to Brooklyn would have a lot of say. Definitely towards, you know, towards what he's trying to accomplish anyway. And what has Brooklyn been since he's been there? Turnover, firings, an influx of in and out players. The whole two years he's been there, whether he played or not, 
this has been continuous. Players moving in and out, coaching staff shuffling. This is what's happening. So I understand just from an employee-employer standpoint why he doubled down on his trade request. Bruh, y'all don't know what y'all want to do. And you want me to sit here and sit through while you figure out what you want to do. And that's not what we agreed upon when I came here. Now, you having trouble with Kyrie, don't have really nothing to do with me, because if I am mistaken, like, Kyrie was had already had this thing about going to the Nets before Durant came into the picture. And then it turned over into, well, we're only taking Kyrie because of Durant, but whatever the case, right? Regardless of what you want to say, Kyrie is the engine of why y'all got what y'all got. There's a good chance that without bringing Kyrie, you wouldn't have got Kevin Durant at all. But at the same token, he's saying, look at what y'all going through with my homie. So you're going through this with the coaching staff. You're going through this with the player personnel. You're going through this with the individual players. James Harden came and left. I need to throw that in there. So just from an employee standpoint, I totally get why he doubled down. But regardless of what you want to say, this is dysfunctional. You know what I'm saying? And you're just not about to just hold my services while y'all figure it out when they're saying, man, you can just trade me. You got building block pieces. You ain't left with the cover bear. Whatever you get for me is only going to add to what you got. I don't care how many people want to try to write Ben Simmons off. Ben Simmons is 25 years old with a whole career left ahead of him. So we're not going to act like he's just nobody. We're not doing all right. Regardless of what personal feelings you have, we're not going to discredit the player. You could say, oh, this one play in the playoffs. He played a lot of games before that. And it wasn't none of this talk when he was playing no game before that. So we're not going to act like those games never happened and, and, and that time didn't exist. We're just not going to do that. At least not with me. Um. You know, and whether they keep or trade Kyrie, you're going to get something back for Kyrie. Nobody's going to not trade you nothing for Kyrie. Even Russell Westbrook got John Wall in the first round pick. So we're not doing that. Even when he got traded again, he got Kuzma, KCP. Like, like it was, like, so we're not doing that. So I feel Durant, bro. You can get whatever you want. And rebuild this team. You're not about to try to hold me hostage to the higher beer because it suits you like that, bro. But even with saying that, and like I say, I can imagine the look on the owner's face when Durant said that shit. I can imagine. All right? D Trent, game changer sports talk and the street sports. You feel me? Just we we going over NBA right now. You know what I'm saying? Just talk a little bit, get into this Kevin Durant situation. I'll be rambling and shit, but I appreciate y'all being on here with me from whatever platform you you, you joined on the front. You feel me? And uh, but I can imagine the look on the owner face, bruh, when he said that shit. And just as a man, 
you just not about to say that to me and it's not about to be an issue. Just as a man. You know what I'm saying? Like, just as, we're not doing that. All right, we're we're not doing that. Hold on, hold on, man. I gotta get my share on, bro. This is this is funny. So, you know, what he did was he came out and he basically said, Hey, bro, this is my team. I'm gonna do what I want with it. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 what I took from it. This is my team. I'm gonna do what I want with it, when I want with it, however I feel suitable to want to do with it. You feel me? And he could take that stance. But at the same token, as much as um, you know, they got the legal leeway, you know, as far as how the contract is structured and what they agree to and all that, they got the legal leeway. How much leeway you got with that fan base? Like, like the Brooklyn Nets got to be real about how their last half decade, if not last decade, have gone. You mortgaged your future to bring in Garnett and Paul Pierce and Darren Williams and all these guys at the end of their careers, and you did nothing. Gave Boston all the ammunition to have what they have right now. You then turned around, was able to actually build a good team, had a playoff team, and because it didn't measure up to what you felt like in this first year, you broke that team up to get what you got now. You didn't gave up Levert. You didn't gave up Allen. You didn't gave up D'Angelo Russell. You didn't gave up, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all didn't gave up pieces in the last four years. Brooklyn Nets. All to try to achieve something that you ain't never achieved. So, as much as Brooklyn has the legal leeway. Who's going to want to come play for you if you acting like that? Who? Who? Who's want to? It ain't. Can't, it can't just be about Jay Z. Like Jay Z is not the only thing that's gonna make a person just be like. And that ain't no slight on Jay. I don't. I don't say that it's no slight on Jay, but nobody's life is contingent on one person. Whatever player you get got a lifestyle. He got a family. Whether that be the ones he was raised with or the one he created and established as a grown man. He got other responsibilities and desires that don't got nothing to do with basketball or probably the city of Brooklyn. So to be trying to use this one thing to keep a person, like a person don't got a whole life to live, that's disrespectful in itself. And being a Cleveland fan who's seen bad organization for years, decades. Brooklyn, do you really want to take that type of dog? Bruh, you can get anybody you want for Kevin Durant right now. 
you should take what you can get to pair with Ben Simmons and then use whatever you didn't get from moving Kevin Durant and use Kyrie to get and come in with Ben Simmons as the leader of your squad because that's what you chose. You could possibly have a Jalen Brown next to him, which is good because now you got two defenders who can play wing and and who can play wing and backcourt. You know what I'm saying? And, and produce at a high level on both ends of the floor. You still got Joe Harris unless you trade him. You got Cam Thomas. It's not like the cover's bare. And for what, whatever you, excuse me, whatever you move Durant or Kyrie for, you're going to get draft picks in return. So it's not like you're not getting nothing. Understand this. And, and, and a lot of people don't seem to understand this as fans and even people in the NFL. All right. I mean, I'm saying that. In the NBA, but them too. Right. But in the NBA specifically, what I'm talking about right now, when you have a generational talent, there is never going to be a trade that's going to ever bring you back the value for the talent that you have, that you're giving away. It's it's almost impossible. You feel me? It's almost impossible, bro. I can't see this chat. I'm so upset, right? You're not going to do it. The best thing you could do is have a plan for what you want to do next, you feel me, and and do that. So that way, you know, like they say, man, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I can take what I can get right now because it's hot off the press and maximize that versus trying to wait and end up with less than even that. So move Durant. Now, in saying that, people will probably ask me, well, where do you think Durant should go? How you think Durant should move? All right? So if it's me, bro. Um, is is a few places I'll consider. I would consider Boston first. Um, because of the fact that you know, with 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 choosing Boston first, I know for a fact I'm getting back a two way All Star in Jalen Brown. All right, Jalen Brown may not like it, but it is what it is. All right. Not only that, you're going to get multiple draft picks and you're going to get at least one or two more players that can play right now. So you get in a Devin White, a, a Derek White. I call him Devin. I'm sorry. A Derek White in return actually kind of helps you if you want to use being at the four. So now you can have. What? Uh. Derek White started the point with Cam Thomas at the two. Jalen Brown at the three. Ben Simmons at the four. That's not what's bad about that. That's that's nice. Cam, a young scorer. He definitely about to put up buckets. Derek White could play D. He ain't got to be uh, – depending on the facilitator and get everybody involved, that's what Ben Simmons could do from the four position while he bringing the four away from the paint. So now it's just about putting a nice five with him. And that's what you could use Kyrie to do to get a nice five. You know what I'm saying? Um, I like I, I, I like uh, Kevin Durant going with... Um, now, I like that as far as 
Brooklyn's best play for assets. You know what I'm saying? Y'all see the link go up. So if you want to come on and chat, you know what I'm saying? Get up here and speak your piece on the topics. You're definitely welcome to. You feel me? Um, from a Kevin Durant standpoint, um, I wouldn't want to go to, because Brooklyn was reported to want it Marcus Smart in a trade, in a potential trade that they talked about. Um, and if I'm Kevin Durant, I don't want to go there if Marcus Smart not playing for me. I don't. You can't take all the defenders. Like Derek White, Jalen Brown, and that's all the defenders. That's all the wing defenders. Now they got Malcolm Brogdon down there. But I like Malcolm Brogdon playing like more of a two uh, next to Marcus Smart. Or Jim, I just like those two starting in the backcourt together, period, to be honest. Because I feel like their games complement each other a lot. Um, they both defenders, you know what I'm saying? But one, you know, is a little more shot hungry. And the other one is a little more methodic. So I think they balance out a lot. Um, and they're interchangeable on the defensive end, you know, playing one and two. So that's that's raw, too. Um, but if I'm Durant, hell yeah, I want to go to Miami. Okay? And on the sleeper side, if I'm Durant, I go to Dallas. Bruh, I go to Dallas. Could you imagine, before I get to Miami, can you imagine Luca, Durant, and Christian Wood? Bruh, it's over. It's over. Luca Durant, and because Luca not gonna not pass Durant the ball, we're just gonna get that out the way right now. He's not gonna not pass Durant the ball. All right. Matter of fact, Luca gonna respect it more, and Christian Wood gonna follow suit. And those three alone is going to be formidable. Luca and Durant alone is going to be crazy. All right? But whatever you can throw in that, let's just say, you know, because they got a lot of, uh, a lot of, Dallas got a lot of cats with big salaries. You know, maybe Joe Harris is in that deal too. So now you're putting Kevin Durant and Joe Harris. That's, that's just the ideal, y'all. I think Dallas is crazy. Um, but, on the Miami side, you can Tyler Hero, um, Duncan Robinson, and um, multiple first round picks. I don't know why you would want to trade Kyle Lowry. Um, if anything, though, you put Oladipo in the deal. Um, Jokic. The guy you just drafted, he he'll be a good guy to throw in the deal. Um, but you probably should keep Lowry. Cause Lowry and Butler in the backcourt is just fire with Durant and the wing and, and, and at a bio at the four. And then you can just put in a bruiser rebounding block and five. He don't gotta run the floor. He just gotta be able to rebound and block shots and set good picks. Everything else is gonna happen for him. You know what I'm saying? Long as he, if he can dunk, finish at the rim at high quality, that's even better. But as long as he can rebound and block at a high level, all oh, that shit, none of that shit matters. All right. 
Um, so you know, Miami, Dallas, those the teams I think. Um, you know, you could now I'll say this. Utah could make a reasonable play for Kevin Durant that does not involve uh, Donovan Mitchell. I just don't think Kevin Durant would want to play in Utah. Nobody wants to play in Utah for a lot of reasons. Nobody wants to play in Utah. Not none of us anyway. Um, so, you know, like I say, Kevin Durant, though, this, this is going to move the needle a lot um, when it comes to the NBA. Um, what happens with Kevin Durant is probably what's holding up anybody else from making moves uh, in the NBA. And uh, and I and I kind of hate how that works sometimes with the NBA. Like, you know, it's such a counteractive uh, league um, when it comes to putting together your teams. So it's hard for you to make a definitive move if you don't know uh, if you don't already have an outline for how you want to play, it's hard to know what moves to make until you see certain pieces get moved or certain, you know, things get dropped because shit. Things change in a heartbeat. Um, D Trent, Game Changer Sports Talk, Industry Sports. You know what I'm saying? We're streaming on multiple social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can catch us on um, a few multimedia platforms. Uh, Twitch and YouTube, um, and when the show is over, um, you can catch it on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Radio Public, and a few other streaming platforms. Um, also, we got the industrysports.com website. You know what I'm saying? Make sure y'all go there, catch up on the latest articles, especially things going around in Ohio, Cuyahoga County areas with the team, Senate League. Um, you know, we do a lot of that stuff, too, but we'll cover yours, too. So if you got a team or somewhere you got footage or whatever the case you want that to be, you know, put on some type of platform. Somebody talk about it, man. Email us, send the footage. You know what I'm saying? You know, send names or whatever or at least the link where we can go look at it ourselves. And, you know, we definitely check you out for show. Send them a shout out because it's all about, you know, what I'm saying, empowering others. You know what I'm saying? You get empowered by empowering others. So I would hope. You know, people want to take that approach, like how I be on it, you feel me? Um, and how people around me be on it, you know what I'm saying? Um, but let's switch over to Cleveland sports. Um, you know, it's, it's a whirlwind going on. I mean, when is Cleveland not in some type of controversial state, all right? This is kind of just become the norm. Um, the reason that I'm not offended by all this extra attention Cleveland getting, because for one, it's long overdue. Um, even though it may not be about the things that we would like it to be about, you know, unfortunately, everything has to start somewhere. And you can't always choose where you start out at. You just got to build from wherever you at. So, you know, right now, um, I'm going to start with the Cavs. All right, because the biggest question surrounding the Cavaliers, I mean, and, and it's a few questions now. It's a few questions surrounding the Cavaliers, but the biggest one is Colin Saxton. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be dropping um, a few articles about this 
uh, said subject uh, just surrounding the Cavs and, and the Altman rebuild. So make sure y'all definitely subscribe and follow the industrysports.com page. You know what I'm saying? Get the updates and stuff like that. Um, but I want to talk about why Colin isn't getting paid. Um, why Colin isn't getting paid what he feels and what quite a few of us feel like what he should be getting paid. All right. I had to share on a few social media platforms. So y'all had to excuse me for my diverted attention. Um, I'm going to simplify the answer and then I'm going to break it down. Basketball IQ. Basketball IQ is what separates Colin Sexton from Darius Garland. And, and I say Darius Garland because most people would probably say this is why Colin isn't getting paid. Darius Garland is not why Colin isn't getting paid. I felt like that. You know, I looked at it like that. But I am one that can put myself in somebody else's shoes and see it from their perspective. Um, and when you break down the difference between Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, the number one thing is basketball IQ. Okay. Colin is a unicorn. Though a lot of people don't want to call him that, Colin is a unicorn. Okay. He is Iverson slash Westbrook. Does he have the Iverson handle? No, he don't. But does he have the drive to go hard from tip off? to last buzzer like Iverson and like Westbrook? Yes. Is he a controlled athlete at that speed? Yes. The problem is his decision-making. Um, I've said this, and people look at me crazy. Colin could literally lead the league in scoring. He is that good of a scorer and a finisher with either hand that he could lead the league in scoring. That is possible. But in order to do something like that, you either have to have the size and the intelligence or at minimum the intelligence and the skill. All right? He is a skilled three-level scorer. He can shoot off the bounce. Not necessarily off the dribble, but off the bounce. You know what I'm saying? He get it off that one dribble, he can nail that. Anywhere on the court, he can nail that. That's a step in jumper, more or less. He can catch and shoot. He's gotten better in that over the years. His shot selection has gotten better. So his IQ as a score is up there. But scoring is only one element of basketball. So when it comes to being a help team defender, when it comes to being um, a guy who could use his scoring to create for others, this is where Colin falls off. And it has nothing to do with his inability to do it. It's his basketball IQ at this point in his career. Colin Sexton as a scoring talent is worth 
$20 million a year. Colin Saxon as an overall basketball player is probably worth more like 15, 13. As fucked up as that is, we just got to go with the facts. Colin can definitely get you 20 a game. He can get you four assists. He might can get you eight assists. But that's Colin scoring. And then once he gets hindered by scoring, then he's using it to get other players involved. Right? So that says, that means you can react good, but can you see the play before it happens? Where if we go to Darius Garland, Darius Garland has a very nice handle. He has a jumper that can stretch. He could finish at the rim, per se. He got a nice floater game, and he, he can definitely finish layups with either hand. All right? He isn't – I wouldn't say he's the three-level scorer that Colin Sexton is, but what he does do is he can use his jumper and his dribbles to get everybody else clicking on offense or on the team, period. He also has learned, and what we seen last year, you guys, excuse me, um, that he's a solid help defender. Excuse me. So Darius Garland got paid not only with his by his age and skill, but his basketball IQ. Because you know that his IQ high, he knows what he needs to work on going into the offseason. He knows what he's going to have to prepare for, have some idea of what he's going to have to adjust to coming back that next season. But my boy Colin, you know what I'm saying? I ain't say I don't know if he don't know, but in my mind and how I look at it, Colin could use a couple years coming off the Cavs bench just to help boost the rest of his game. And I know that shit sounds crazy to a lot of people. I know about like, what the fuck is he talking? Listen, let me tell you, okay? Colin, with his scoring ability, should be able to get nine or ten assists a game. Off his scoring ability alone, he should be able to do that. But Colin is missing one key thing to me. Um, outside of just his overall basketball IQ when it comes to getting the team involved, Colin has to have a better dribble. Colin has a scoring dribble. Right? That means he can put moves on you to get him open and get him a shot. He can get moves to get him past you to get him a play. Even if that play leads to him passing to somebody. But he does it for him. So I don't think Colin is a selfish player or nothing like that, a ball hog or nothing like that. But I do understand that when he was drafted, he had only been playing basketball a couple years versus a lot of these guys who've been playing AAU ball and a little league ball, you know, on an organized level, being broke down, how positions go. You know, even though they don't get into the league till they 18, 19 years old, they've been doing this six, seven years before that. I'll even just go to Luka Doncic, who played in a grown man's league as a child. So, yeah, by the time he got to the NBA as an 18-year-old, 
you know what I'm saying? He had already been playing professionally four or five years. So for Colin, it's just different because he only really been playing organized ball like four or five years. You know what I'm saying? So to the other guys that's been in the league four or five years with him, they've been playing organized ball half to twice as long as he has. And that ain't, like I say, that's not a knock on Colin, but I just, for me too, like for me personally, I had to figure out like, damn, why Colin not getting paid? Like what's the difference between him and Darius Garland and his basketball IQ? That's the bottom line. It's basketball IQ. Can you use your talent to better your team? Not just you, your team, in whichever way possible, which makes Jordan a great. Because even though Jordan was a killer as a scorer, Jordan could make his team better. Whether he played defense and got the ball out in transition, you know what I'm saying? Or he played, knocked it away enough for him to get in transition. Or he played help defense. Or he played the passer. I mean, Jordan averaged like 11 assists in a in the final series before. He averaged like 10 assists in a season. So it's not like Jordan couldn't pass. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just you you got to be able to use your skills to better the team. It's something that people knock LeBron for all the time. LeBron used his total skill to better the whole team and not just stat stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's what we need to see Colin do. And if Colin can do that, then Colin's a $35 a million a year dollar player. Bottom line, he's a maybe even a 40 because he could actually come to the hole and dunk him on top of break you down off the dribble, get a shot, and add playmaking. He can dunk on you. That's definitely worth $40 million a year. Curry a shooter. He can get 50. So when you add that extra element to it, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's it for Colin. Now, Isaac Okoro is another guy. And people ask, how should Okoro be used? What is his ceiling? All right. I'm sticking by my thoughts. Um, Isaac Okoro's top ceiling is Kawhi Leonard. And I'm going to stand by that until I'm proven wrong. His Top potential talent, and I'm saying top potential potential is Kawhi Leonard if he put in the work. That's my opinion. All right. A tier under that, he could be Draymond Green. And he could be a better scorer than Draymond Green. Now, as a scorer, um, I well, no. Let me not say that. I think, let me just say that. He can be a Draymond Green. I think he can do that. I think worst case scenario, he could be a Bruce Brown. But I think the guy that he should more, more so emulate is Sean Marion, the Matrix. I think that player profile fits him more than all the others is the matrix a guy who could use his strength and his athleticism to play in the paint rebound block steal and can still play on the perimeter a guy who could finish in transition at a high level 
You know what I'm saying? A guy who can shoot free throws. A guy who can at least hit open corner threes. All right? Now, to me, if he does that, the step that's keeping him from a matrix, you know, Draymond Greenish to a Kawhi Leonard, is his handle. If Isaac Okoro can initiate offense and use his handle to create scoring opportunities, to go along with what he does already, that is that is Kawhi Leonard said. That is Kawhi. That's the claw silly. He could be a lockdown defender on one end and be a deceptively great all-around player on the offensive end. All right. Now maybe I could say Jalen Brown, right? But it's it's hard for me to say his ceiling could be Jalen Brown when Jalen Brown ain't even entered his prime and hit his ceiling yet. So we don't even know what a Jalen Brown ceiling is. But this is how I feel about Okoro, and I'm anxious to see how he's added to his offensive game um, coming into this next season for the Cavs. Now, another little thing I'm going to hit on with these Cavs is the starting lineup, right? I had a problem with the starting lineup. And I'm the type of person sometimes, you know, I can have a problem with something, and that's because I'm looking at it, you know, backwards. You know, and it's not for everything, but there are some of those things that, you know, I reject so high just to turn around and find out it's actually set up the way I was I'm I'm looking for. I just ain't look at it in that way. So the core building blocks. Garland, Mobley, Allen. Make sure you check out the articles that's coming out where I get into the in-depths of why they are the building blocks and why they were chosen. But those are the guys. Garland, Mobley, Allen. All right? In between those guys, you need guys that can counteract what they don't do or at least give you leverage as far as winning. So right now, at this part of the assembly of the team and in the, in the, in the building of the team, it's hard to say what type of wings exactly fit in between Garland, Mobley, and Allen. What you do know is Allen is going to anchor your defense. He's going to rebound and defend the rim at a high level, and he's going to get you, you know, 10 to 15 points on the offensive end, whether it be lives, putbacks, you know what I'm saying, but a couple of post moves. Does that grow into 20 point a game? Can he be an 18 and 12 guy? Can he be a 20 and 15 guy? That remains to be seen. But he is only 24, 25 years old. So he just now about to hit his prime years. Let's see what happens. We know Mobley is the X factor. He is the defensive complement to what Allen brings, but he's also Everything Allen is not on the offensive end. A guy who can play on the wing on the offense at a at a high level, create for others, uh, shoot off the dribble, still back you down, take care of, the, uh, take advantage of the mismatch, and he can still help protect the rim. All right, what is Garland? Garland is a facilitator. He can stretch the floor. So, what do you need in between them? 
you need X factors, all right? At your guard, you will ideally want a guy who could defend at least better than Garland can, have some length, can create his own shot, can score at a high level. And this is where you get Karis LeVert. Plus, Karis LeVert contract already came with $19 million built into it. So, worst case scenario, he doesn't play great for you. And his $19 million comes off the books at the end of the season. Worst case scenario. You might as well start. I, res- I-, I get it now. Laurie Markin is starting at the three. Gives you leverage. It gives you three seven-footers, which is different. But it gives you a seven-foot sniper that's hard to block. Um, and marketing has shown to be clutch with his jumper. He can hit crucial buckets at crucial time. So with that being said, you have a starting lineup, most likely, of Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, Laurie Marketing, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. And I don't care what season this is. That's a playoff start five. That's a playoff start five. Now, the key is going to be, can this starting five stay healthy the entire season as a collective unit? That remains to be seen. But you do, the Cavs do owe it to themselves to see what it looks like. When it comes to the bench, right? Now, over the years, I feel like me and Kobe got a lot of the similar thinking, all right? You know, I don't see everything like he see it. I'm not on his level like that. But I just feel like with some of my suggestions and thoughts, I feel like me and him be on the same type of wavelength, right? So I usually see a six-man as an extended starter. Right? Because on any given night, my six man could play 30 minutes a game. Um, that That's how I see a, a true six man. He's an extended starter. You know what I'm saying? He's the guy that you couldn't start because these other guys just meshed together so real. But when I insert him, I can insert him in, in the multiple positions and it still keep my, my, my team good. Um, so Ricky Rubio. Whenever he comes back, is the sixth man. And until he actually comes back, um, Kevin Love is going to be the sixth man. For one, Kevin Love made $30 million a year. Everybody on that starting lineup is making double-digit million. Evan making at least 10. Allen making 20. Marketing making 16. Karras making 19. And Garland is about to be making 40. That's per year. Kevin Love on the last year of his $30 million, his $120 million four-year deal, the last year of it, with like $29 million left, right? He's either going to ball out enough where you can use him in the playoffs on the offensive end, or Kevin Love is going to play good enough to be trade bait for somebody by the deadline. But I would expect that even if he don't play that well, they're going to keep him and just let his contract fall off the books because that $30 million look good back, especially when you're paying Darius Garland 40 starting next season. Um, 
So when I think about this bench, um, I'm not including Love because I look at Love and Rubio as extended starters. Um, so to me, they don't really classify on the bench side, even though they come off the bench. They are veteran leaders um, who come in and spell the starters because they're going to immediately impact the game. The bench guys is going to start with Okoro, Ocha, and hopefully Colin Saxton. I'm just going to say Saxton now. Um, because, listen, now I've had my suggestions about how, you know, lineups should go in Cleveland or whatnot. Um, but Colin Saxton, Ocha Abaji and Isaac Okoro coming off your bench as a one, two, and three is scary. And if you do that and you add love, or if you do that and you add Rubio, just to that inside core, and people will say, oh, why would you play Isaac Okoro at the four? And he, oh, nah, nah, nah. Remember what I just said, bro. Remember what I just told you his ceiling is to me. All right? Somewhere between Draymond and Kawhi. Draymond, Matrix, and Kawhi. All of these players play the three or four. And they're all undersized for their position, more or less. So I ain't just pulling this out. You feel me? But you put him, love Rubio, you want to run, you're going to score, you're going to defend, you got multiple shooters on the floor. Uh, multiple guys who can handle off a dribble. Um, you know, you still got multiple veterans you can interchange with, whether it's marketing or Allen or, uh, you know, and they even got Evan Mobley, so you could do Mobley. They got Robin Lopez. I can't forget they got Robin Lopez. So you got Robin Lopez down there. So now you 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 run Sexton, Ochild, Coro with Love. Sean Strain, what are we doing? Okay, I know what happened. All right, cool. Uh, but as I was saying about this 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 bench unit, um, Saxon, Okoro, Ocha, you know what I'm saying? You can throw Robin Lopez on there with love, or even if it's marketing, um, however you want to do it, even if it's Mobley. You know what I'm saying? Let's just say they do it like I'm talking, right? And Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love really only come in to spell the starters. You know what I'm saying? So they could just get used to that because that vet, like I said, they gonna come in and have immediate impact. All right, but let's you know, let's just say when they come in with the second unit, like I say, it's Colin Ocha, Okoro, or let's say Mobley, uh, or Lamar Stevens with Robin Lopez. Even if it's Dean Wade and Robin Lopez or Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade or 
Dean Wade, and Isaiah Moore. It don't matter. Whatever combination, it could be Windler. Whatever combination, but the Cavs got a loaded bench. Right? And this is the year that we get to see what JB gonna do as a coach. I'm gonna beat this to the cows come home. All right. JB has taught how to play team basketball on a winning level. I'll say this again. JB so far has taught this young Cavalier Corps how to play team basketball on a winning level. He's done that. What he needs to be able to do now is teach winning basketball on a championship level. This is the hurdle he must climb. I don't expect him to do it in a season. But I want to see some progress, which is where Luke Walton come from. You know what I'm saying? And Luke Walton is an offensive-minded coach. He's a guy who's coached, who's played with the LeBron and coached. Was it LeBron? No. Who did he win his championship? It was the like Kobe. He's won his ships with Kobe. He's coached ships in Golden State. He's coached a deer or fox, you know, and a buddy yield and things like that. He understands, and plus he's the son of Bill Walton. He, he just understands offensive structure, just period. Um, especially being a former three slash four slash point forward himself. So I think Luke Walton is going to give this offense the, the jolt it needs to really see like how to utilize everything. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see. Just period. How they mesh. Now, from what I know, they good friends. They cool. You know what I'm saying? They dad. You know, they, you know, NBA sons. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be nice to see how that turned out. But uh, I'm high on the Cavs this year, y'all. I'm I'm very high on the Cavs. Um, you know, as we get closer to, to the end of the actual NBA offseason and get to the start of uh, preseason, uh, I think training camp is going to be towards the end of September. So I'm going to say after, you know, after Labor Day, after uh, Independence Day, I mean, Independence Day, after uh, 9-11, um, we'll start having a lot more heavy basketball talk. You know, training camps are being started, facilities being open, you know, it's going to be running and all that. Uh, preseason going to start like the first week of October and then – you know, the season going to start like the middle of October towards the latter end. Uh, so we ain't that many weeks away. All right. It ain't that far away. Um, but I'm definitely going to revisit this because, listen, I need Colin to stay. I'm a young bull fan, y'all. I don't, I'm a young bull fan. Young bull got to stay, bro. And I'm just, you know, before I get off of the young bull, you know what I'm saying? We, we, let me just, let me just say this, okay? Young bull in the NBA has played. 430,000 minutes. In those 430,000 minutes, he's put up 4,300 points, 45% from the field, 
37, almost 38%. We're just going to say 46% from the field, 38% from the three. He's at 660 rebounds, 720 assists, 180 steals, 23 blocks. All right? And this is this is in four seasons. Really three in, in a little bit because he only played 11 games last year. So he's virtually done that in three seasons. You know what I'm saying? On a losing team. Bro, we got to keep Colin. I just feel like he the whole identity of the team, bro. You get rid of Colin, you're going to have problems. But as I was saying earlier, I understand why Colin ain't getting paid. Basketball IQ is everything, and if you don't have it, ain't nothing good going to come for you long term. Um, all right, so let's get to the, to the bottom leg of the show. And, you know, this is the hottest topic in Cleveland. Um, and this subject can get a little long-winded sometimes. Uh, so this is why I held out and left it for last. All right. And we are talking about, oh, I didn't mean to put it in there. No way. The Cleveland Browns. Let's talk about it. Dog pound for life. You know what I'm saying? You know how this go. Um, Just when we thought it was safe to walk down the street and live in color, you can do it. I say that to say, man, we thought some of us assumed, and maybe it was just a minor few of us assumed, that this Deshaun Watson situation is just going to be over. Okay. As a Cleveland fan, when we first initially got him, even though we felt like a year was outrageous, it was fine. If you're going to suspend him for a year for 16 games, even though you already suspended him for 16 games, it's another conversation. It is what it is because y'all the NFL and y'all only going to do what y'all want to do anyway. It's not like y'all operate, you know, in good faith. The NFL has never operated in good faith. That's why you have a CBA. Um, anyway, though. So, you know, the NFL, the Sue Robinson, like, and Sue Robinson comes down with her six games. You know, in her, what she said, you know, she said that she felt like, you know, he had behavior that res- misrepresented the league according to NFL guidelines. And I, I pay attention to an entire sentence from beginning to end. Okay. So, according to NFL guidelines, wasn't just a caveat. It was kind of like the point. Hey, to what y'all say, yeah, this is what this seems like. For how y'all word it here in y'all guideline rule book. To actual law, this shit don't hold up. All right? People leave out that part when they talk. Oh, they said it. That's to the NFL's conduct, he violated. But the NFL, NFL's explanation of things are very vague, and it's open to interpretation. So there is no solid foundation for you to actually move off of. They don't have a president that they have to live up to or stand on per se, because they leave it open. All right, but the law is definitive. 
and you have to hit certain benchmarks to be classified something. And the NFL is just about public perception, which she alluded to. The NFL cannot be prosecuting people per se based on public perception. They have to actually stand for something ethically. All right, and not just social, basically, right? But the NFL appealed anyway. F. Sue Robinson and what she thought. We don't think it was up to our level of standard. So we're going to move her aside and we're going to pick up this young homie that's kicking our butt right now. Excuse me, I'm sorry. That's saying a little straightforward and a little rude, but it's the honest truth. That's going to do whatever I tell him to do. So Deshaun Watson could get the year. Now, if I'm Deshaun Watson, all right, if it's me, and Deshaun, you ain't got to listen to me, bro. You don't know me. You know what I'm saying? You may not think I got your, your best interest at heart. If I'm Deshaun, bro, just give them the $10 million back you made last year and make them count that as a year suspension. That's it. Give them the $10 million. Give it to them. Bro, you got 230 guaranteed on top of the 40 million, 50 million you made before that. That ain't even including the endorsements that you made money off of before they got halted. Take the 10 million and tell them to keep it at six games. Keep it at six games this year. I give you the money for last year. That's 22 fucking games. It's actually 23 games because it was a 17-game season last. It's 23 fucking games. Take it. If I'm Deshaun, and if I'm Deshaun's representatives, and the NFL wants to negotiate a settlement, my settlement requires is it stays at six games. You get the money back for last year. That treatment shit, you can blow that shit out the wall. But having to only get masseuses, for um, uh, NFL authorized masseuses for the rest of my playing career, I think that's a little extra too. And you know why I think that's a little extra? And, you know, I may step on a few toes with this. You know, a prosecutor from the case in one of those cities and situations specifically said, that they didn't want to bring up all the capable charges up on Deshaun Watson because then they would have had to bring up charges on majority of the women. I don't know if y'all understand that. Like, I understand that. But to me, that's not honest. You're not telling the whole truth. If you're not holding everybody accountable for their part in the situation. You know what I'm saying? Me, I say it like this, man. When you do something professional, you go about it in a professional nature. Even if you use certain outlets to help gain visibility or clientele, there is still a certain way you're going to conduct yourself and the business that you do with said individuals. There's a certain way. 
So when you, as the accuser, and as the so-called victim, ask for money and a non-disclosure agreement to your settlement, when you're the accuser and victim, when has a victim or accuser ever asked themselves asked for a non-disclosure agreement. Some people will say, oh, because they don't want to know how much money they got in the settlement. You know how much money Deshaun Watson got on his contract? Oh, that's public. Well, court documents are public record too. That's why you have to have a non-disclosure agreement so they can be sealed from public records. So I don't want to hear that. Why can't we know what they settled for? Why can't we know why they settled? We know why Deshaun was accused. He got his face and shit slandered all this time. Why we can't know? All right, but I can digress because we understand what it is. But I think, like I said, I feel like he should definitely just look, take this 10 million. Fuck it. Take 12. You take 12 million and keep it at six games, and you gotta count my last year's not playing at all as a 17 game suspension. It's a win win. How do you not win? It's a win win. Because all this is a money grab. This is it. Not only is it a money grab, we're going to talk about the back half of this. The league is scared of the Browns. They are scared. The league is terrified of the juggernaut the Cleveland Browns will become now until the foreseeable future. That is the problem. When Cleveland starts winning, they start getting more endorsements, endorsements, which means it's more money that they can play with to make the city more attractive. Have more events. If you ain't never lived in Cleveland, if you don't know about Cleveland, and you don't know, even though they call it a mistake on the lake, they still call it the best location in the nation. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because the worst thing you got to worry about is snow. I don't want to hear crime because you got to worry about crime everywhere you go. I don't care what state you go into. There are high areas of crime. I don't care. All right. But snow, that's it. No hurricanes, no tornadoes, no earthquakes. No monsoons. It rains, but everything falls into the river or the Great Lake. So we're fine. You can fish. You can get on boats. You can have real houses that has a basement and attic. You can do a lot of things in Cleveland, in Cuyahoga County, in Northeast Ohio. You can do a lot. Have your own farmland, have your own acres, 
You could do a lot. And once Cleveland started getting attractions, you know, real theme parks, amusement situations, maybe Warner Brothers want to build a park called, I don't know, maybe Universal want to build a park, I don't know, build a Winter Wonderland. Maybe Disney want to go build a Winter Wonderland up there. So once you start doing stuff like that, Hey, man, it's ugly. And listen, the last thing these big markets want is to be in competition with small markets. But that's what's about to happen. So I said all that to say, like, the NFL is scared of the Browns. They're scared of the potential of the Browns with Deshaun Watson in this roster. And if they could derail that for one year, to have other players leave and do all that so you can't see what this core looks like. They're going to do that. But if I'm Deshaun Watson and y'all trying to do all that, bro, listen, you're going to make that money back. That $12 million, you're going to make that shit back. Make them take your salary from last year, which was $10 million, right? Just add an extra million on it just because. Huh, take this 11. I just signed for 230. Take this 11. The same 11 I made last year. Take it. If I'm being suspended for last year's games, I wouldn't have got paid. Take the 11 million. 12 million. Take it. Keep my suspension at six games. Keep the masseuse. That treatment shit, though, that shit got to go. I'm sorry. You ain't asking the women to get treatment or go to classes so they can thoroughly, thoroughly know how to properly um, um, uh, uh, market and advertise their business. Are you? Are you? Do, 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 do these women have to go to victim counseling? Do they? Or is that not important? Because the star black athlete. Come on, man. Let's just be honest about what's going on, bro. What what are we doing? It has to be, in math, it has to be the same on both sides. Whatever you do to one side, you got to do to the other side. Is that what we're doing here? Because it don't seem like it. It just don't. So outside of that, though, we got a Kareem Hunt thing. And on top of it being a Kareem Hunt thing, um, or running back room issue. We have a wide receiver health issue. And then you have multiple players at key positions of need on our team who are available via trade. Um, so those names are like Deron Payne, defensive tackle for the Washington Commanders, um, Roquan Smith, middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Um, Jalen Rager, wide receiver from uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and those are just the three off top because those are the three positions on the Browns team that I feel like could use an upgrade and it wouldn't hurt them. Um, so I guess the one question is, is Kareem, are they worth trading Kareem Hunt for? If it's Roquan Smith, yes. I like Roquan Smith as a middle linebacker. 
I like him as a football player. I like him as a guy who can play in the trenches, play sideline to sideline, and can still cover and make defensive calls. I also like him pairing with Denzel Ward, John Johnson III, and most notably, Miles Garrett. I ain't even got that what him and JOK could be as a tandem, as a two-linebacker tandem with a Jacob Phillips. That'd be crazy. But I like Roquan, and he's about the only player I feel like it's worth us trading Hunt for if that had to be the move. Because I think that could be a straight-up deal, Hunt for Roquan. You get a running back at a position of need for um, the Bears. David Montgomery could be a backup, and, you know, you could use that. He could kind of be your number one receiving threat. You still got Cole Komet and a few guys over there. And Nikhil Harry was there, but he's down for the season, I believe, or something like that. He definitely got an injury. I don't know if you see that. He got an injury. Um, to me, that's the only one I could trade Kareem Hunt for. Now, if we're going to go to – Deron Payne, then that's a Dearness Johnson thing. I think I I like Deron Payne, but he not worth me giving up Kareem Hunt, and you're not giving me something else with it. Um, whether that be a third round pick, fourth round pick, because I wasn't going no lower than fourth. You have to give me you can um you you have to give me a Deron and a fourth for Hunt, uh, but. If it's Dearness Johnson, then we could probably do a straight-up trade. I might be willing to throw you a fifth or a sixth, even though I view Dearness as a starting caliber running back in this league. Um, he's an undrafted guy. You know what I'm saying? And he don't got a lot of stats, so it's just all off potential. Um, Deron Payne isn't a bust of the number one pick, but he's kind of on that fringe. They don't know. So I think that just evens out because if you get a bust number one pick, that's just like starting an undrafted player to a large degree. We can argue semantics another time, but that's that's where I'm at with it. Um, Jalen Rager is probably not a guy that everybody would want as a receiver, but as a special teams guy, he would be amazing. So even though he is a former number one pick, if you're shopping him, you're disappointed with him. I understand you got Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown, but you can still use a Jalen Rager. If you're going to trade him, I can't even give you nothing more than a fifth for him and probably a six because Amari Cooper is an established receiver, and I got him for a fifth. So I will offer you a six. I, I might even offer you a six and a seven, but it wouldn't be in the same year. I'll offer you a six from one year and a seven from another year. Just on a strap, because he young. You know what I'm saying? Now, if he blossoms and becomes a pro bowler, I would be willing to move that six up to a fourth or move that seven up to a fifth, however that work. But outside of that, yeah, but I, I I like Rager as a return specialist, um, especially since we lost Jakeem Grant the other day. Um, and if you didn't get the news, Jakeem Grant went down what appears to be an Achilles injury. Um, I haven't got no final rulings on it yet, but I'm going to assume that he's out for the season. 
which sucks because we got JoJo Natson for this same reason, and he went down with a season end the injury too. The fact that all our skill positions that receive all our players, not all of them, but 80% of our players um, at the receiver position has went down um, with some form of injury has to be concerning. Um, I'm not going to say it's staff infection concerning like the Browns had a number of years ago, but it is alarming. You know, you brought in 14, 15 receivers and at least six of them that went down with injury, two that went down for the year. That's something that has to be looked at. And because of that, too, is a reason why I just can't be giving them cream hunt. Because whatever they're not giving me in the receiving game, he could get it on top of whatever Chubb could give me and Felton and Harrison Bryant. So, but the Browns, man, the Browns in a good space. Uh, this Friday, August 12th, the Browns will be in Jacksonville, and they will be playing the Jaguars. Um, this will be a 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, and from what I've gathered, Deshaun Watson will start. Now, how many series he'll play, knowing that he's already suspended for the first six games and he ain't played in a year, I'd be willing to let Deshaun Watson play for like the whole front quarter. Just to see what tape with him look like. I'd be willing to let him play the whole first quarter. You know, that's just me. I know you're going to be going for six games. And when I get to preseason game three, since I know you're not playing, I really can't afford to play you in preseason game three. I got to play Jacoby so he can get in, in form. But I can play you in these first two preseason games. I can play you a whole quarter in the first one. I can play you another whole quarter in the second one. Um, and I can only play you one whole quarter or, or a nice long series, you know, a 10, 12, 13 play drive series. I can only play you one of them because I need to get Jacoby ready and I need to see what my backups is like. So I don't even expect Deshaun Watson to dress as a playable player in the third preseason game. But I do feel like in these first two preseason games, they're going to get as much film with the number one offense as possible. Now, Jacksonville may not be the most formidable team. However, they, they do provide some challenges. So, you know, this is a warm-up game for the offense. But then in week two, uh, the Browns will play the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that's a Saturday game. Is it a Sunday game? It's a Sunday game, one o'clock Sunday game uh, at First Energy Stadium. Um, it'll be Deshaun's first and only home game until, wait, well, let me see. Let me not speak too fast. Yeah, 
It, it'll be his first and only home game as a player. Yeah. Uh, but even in game two, though, you know, I'd be willing to play Deshaun a whole half um, in front of the hometown fans. Um, because preseason game three is really for Jacoby Brissett and Josh Rosen and Josh Dobbs. Because you need to know who's going to be your backup when you when you know, just in case of Jacoby. You know what I'm saying? Stranger things that happen in Cleveland. I'm gonna knock on wood, you feel me? Stranger things that happen in Cleveland, but I'm just saying like you don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking forward to this. Jacksonville has a nice young team. Trevor Lawrence is playing in his first preseason game this season because he didn't play in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, him and Travis Etienne with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, yeah, it's, it's real. It's real. But definitely get your popcorn ready. Be ready for that. Um, but look, y'all, it's been a pleasure rocking. I am D-Trent. This is Game Changer Sports Talk on Industry Sports. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and follow for all those that tuned in and came in throughout. It was a pleasure to have you. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on Spotify and Anchor as well. And like I say, man, feel free to inbox us. Uh, you know, hit us up on any social platform. You can follow us. You know, you got topics or feedbacks or ideas or whatever the case, man. Hit us up, man. Let us know how you feeling, what you want to do. You know, it's always go Browns, go Cavs, go Guardians, O State Buckeye for life. You feel me? Um, but it was a pleasure, y'all. D Train, Game Changer Sports Talks, Industry Sports. We're going to holler at y'all later. One.